Good morning, good morning, good morning. Did they mention about the disc golf? Did you mention it, Gary? No? Can I mention it? Did you mention it this morning? Are you sure? All right. Um, every morning at 8 o'clock, I'm only going to play with four at a time. And so you're just going to have to pair together and come to me and put your names down and we'll play. But uh, I want to play disc golf every morning. And whoever beats me gets a $50 Snack Shack gift card. Bring it. Bring yourself. Bring yourself. Look at, they're all like talking this. We could be rich. We could be rich in Skittles. So I played this morning and I finished one over. And I think the next closest was 10 over, I think. So, and there's none of this kind of you play with your buddies and come back and it's, no, 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 no. I was 17 under. So you had to play with me. Fair enough. That's adults as well. Eight o'clock in the morning, but you got to come to Kurt. Get Kurt, stand up, Kurt. Come to Kurt Plasco. And he's going to take down the group names. And so if we can fit in two rounds before breakfast, we'll do it. Uh, just nine. That'll make it quicker. Makes, it makes the pain of loss easier for him. May 30. Oh, I guess leaders are out. Uh, I want to talk to you about the Bible. Listen, we live in a day and age, and we're going to be quick this morning. So I want to try to, I, and I really prayed about what do I give you in terms of valuable kind of morning session, teaching session, stuff that you're going to need to have in order to survive as a Christian. Now that sounds overly dramatic, but honestly, there, there are some things that if you, if you do not have in your quote unquote toolkit, you're just not going to make it. We live in a day and age where Christianity there's many forms of Christianity, okay? Listen to me. You with me? There's many forms of Christianity. There's all these other forms, and then there's the biblical form, okay? So in other words, I meet people all the time that believe in a Jesus, but they don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. They believe in a non-biblical understanding of Jesus. And uh, I've, <laughs> I've run into this my whole life. You know, you meet people and they're like, you know, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, but see, I mean, what's the standard? Uh, the early church called the scriptures the rule or the standard. It's the canon, it's the rule or authority, okay? The scriptures paint a picture of what a Christian looks like. Hear me. The scriptures paint a picture of what a, uh, what a Christian looks like. And if you don't look like the picture painted from the scriptures, you're religious but you're not child of God. You might want to turn me down just a tad. You're not child of God. You're not Christian in the biblical sense. Because again, there's all kinds of versions of Christianity out there. You can live however you want. You can marry whoever you want. You can do whatever you want to your body. You can live in any kind of relationship. And as long as you have this kind of vague understanding of, you know, you're good. That's what the world believes. But the scriptures are very clear on what it means to be a child of God. So I want to talk to you this morning because I find that not just your generation, but a lot of your parents' generation, they don't know what this book is. Like, what is the Bible? Is it a set of rules? You know, 
I met a, a lady at a camp one time, and she, she, she yells out, you know, when I was like, what is the Bible? And she goes, it's the Word of God. And I was like, okay, good, but why? Well, I just believe it. And that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Paul says you should always be ready to give an answer for why you believe what you believe. Now, I do believe that the Scriptures are the Word of God. But how do we know that? And what do you mean by word of God? It is the final authority on God speaking on who he is and who we're supposed to be. That's huge. Let me say that again. The Bible is the, is the holy word of God. It is the final authority. It's God's word. It's literally his word. It's the final authority on who he is and who we are. But one of the questions, and I'll give you this really quickly. When I first got saved, I wasn't raised in the church necessarily. I was raised in a church area. And when I grew up, everyone was pretty much Christian. It was just a different world back in those days. And there was all these rules coming to church. I, I grew up in Indiana. It's a very, very conservative area. When I was a kid and you came to church, you, as a guy especially, you couldn't have hair. In fact, when I went to Olivet, this is hysterical, when I went to Olivet, if you were a guy, your hair was not allowed to touch your collar. And you say, collar? Yeah, because you couldn't wear t-shirts during the day. You had to wear shirts with a collar, and you couldn't have any printing on it. You weren't allowed to wear shorts. We had to walk uphill to class both ways in the ice storms with bolts of lightning. It was really difficult back in those days. So I had this knee-jerk reaction. I was pretty frustrated because actually when I begin, to, and I'm a researcher by nature, so when I begin to study the Bible, I begin to have all these questions, you know, on why do we believe this and why do you believe that and why can't you, like that was one of the controversies, guys couldn't have earrings, you know? And I was like, why? But it's not in the Bible. You can't have long hair. Why? It's not in the Bible. There's all kinds of things we believed. And I was just like, why? And they're like, stop asking questions and just conform. And I was like, no. Because I wanted to know. Because what I find is your generation has been the victim of my generation on using the scriptures to exploit and control you. Is that too long of a sentence? People use the Bible to try to manipulate you. Here's my favorite. This happened last summer. I had a mom, and she came up to me, and she said, my son came home from camp, and he wanted, uh, he wanted a tattoo. And I was like, oh, evil things. I wouldn't be called dead with one. And she says, well, that's good, because the Bible says you're not supposed to mark your body. You're not supposed to get a tattoo. It's right there in the Old Testament, which is true. But two verses before that, it also says, don't eat pork. And I've seen her eat. So what do you do? Just pick what you want? See, the moment someone, hear this, the moment that you or someone else uses the Bible for selfish motives, maybe even good motives, to manipulate or to control another person's actions, you've just taken the Bible from being God's word and you've made it your instrument. Which is the definition of legalism. Am I doing good? Praise the Lord. 
So here's what I want to do this morning. What is the Word of God? I will tell you this flatly. And if you remember anything, remember this. If you yourself, please hear me. If you yourself are not regularly in the Scriptures, you're not regularly in the Bible, I'm telling you, you're going to end up believing in a Jesus that's not the real Jesus. I'm telling you. You will end up saying, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and it's not going to be the Jesus of this book. It's interesting, in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the day of judgment, and he says, many on that day are going to say, Lord, Lord, but not everybody who said, go read it yourself. Matthew 25, many are going to say, Lord, Lord, but not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, gets in the kingdom of heaven. So when we're talking about being a Christian, did you, are you hungry? You've got to be in that book. Why? Because it's the word of God. And you're going to say, well, how do you know it's the word of God? I want to spend just literally 20 minutes, if that, probably 15, to describe this. And I'm going to use some of my artistic ability, which some people call autistic ability. Yeah, I have a bunch of those little names. Yeah, thank you. It's part of my artistic ability. Um, in the scripture, the Old Testament God is called Yahweh. It's not even spelled way. It's like way. It's like Yahweh. This is the God of the Old Testament. Now, and then we're going to clarify this just for time's sake at the beginning. So this is God. Uh, they call him, you know, El Shaddai. There's all these L terms, which is actually the transliteration of a Hebrew term for God or, or holy beings. And so these are different terms, like all the words El Shaddai or, you know, Rapha, what all these different words. These are all describing our God of the Old Testament. Now, what we learn when we come into the New Testament is this one God, he's one God, is actually made up of three persons, which is why maybe you've heard your pastor teach that we have the Godhead. We don't serve three gods. We serve one God in three persons. And those persons are Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And this God right here communicates with his creation through his word. This is all you need to know to understand the Bible, that right there. So I'm going to explain it to us. So our God is Father who sent his Son who gave us the Holy Spirit so we can know the Father. This is one God. In the Old Testament, everything God did, it was these three in conjunction doing it. And this Godhead was speaking to our world through, this, through his word. And they wrote it down in a little book that we call the Bible, which is the record of God speaking to us. Now, our Bible is divided up into two parts. And you guys are really smart because most of the time it takes me four days, 12 hours to teach this course. So you're going to get it in 20 minutes because you're awesome. Our Bible is divided up into two parts. The first part is an old covenant set of scriptures called the Old Testament. And then the second part is the new covenant, an entire new covenant relationship that God has with us. And those writings are called the New Testament. If someone were to ask you, I've heard of this term, the gospel, which is the good news of our salvation. Where is that found? Most people will tell you it is found in the New Testament. 
And I always tell them, you are absolutely 50% correct. Because the gospel is actually told also in the Old Testament. In fact, we call the Old Testament the gospel announced. And we call the New Testament the gospel arrived. Okay? So throughout an entire Old, time, old Covenant period, your Old Testament was about 4,000 years. Okay? So for an entire Old Testament time frame, God was telling the good news before it ever happened. In fact, when Peter, this is in the New Testament, it's one of the most New Testament passages that we have. I mean, it's, it's where the good news was actually poured out and, and, and the Spirit was given. And anybody remember what that day was called? It was called the day of Pentecost. And that's where the Spirit was poured out. That's where God came to live inside of us. And man and God were reconciled together again. It's called the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. And he's giving an explanation to the crowd of what they're seeing. Because they're freaking out. They're, everybody's hearing the gospel preached in their own language. And they're like, what in the world is happening? And it's just the church explodes. When Peter is explaining this good news, he uses an Old Testament passage out of the book of Joel. And you're like, hold on, why is he reading out of the Old Testament when it's a New Testament time period? Because all the passages in the Old Testament are speaking of Jesus in the New Testament. Here's a rule of thumb. Whenever you come into the Old Testament... The writers of the Old Testament are talking about Jesus. Every story, everything God is talking about, he's describing a relationship we're going to have with Jesus. Let me give you a couple examples. Here's some of my favorites. One of my favorite Old Testament passages, which if you don't, if you don't look at it through the eyes of Jesus, you're going to misunderstand it. And you're not only going to misunderstand it, but God's going to seem mean and cruel. It's the story of the Passover. Okay? So, I'll make it. God, remember Moses and God's relationship? Moses sees the burning bush, and this God tells him to go to Egypt. He gives him this command through his word. He speaks. Moses writes it down. We have a record of it. And he tells him to go to Egypt. And I'm going to have you lead my people out of Egypt. And that begins to break down on how that's going to happen. There's going to be all these plagues. There's going to be all these judgments. and All this stuff is going to happen. And it's going to culminate in this final kind of like last moment, you know, judgment. And it's called the Passover. And so God calls Moses. This is my version of it. God calls Moses one day and says, hey, meet me at Starbucks. And uh, Moses is okay. He shows up. And God says, here's how this is going to go down. He says, uh, on the 10th uh, day of this coming month, he says, I want every Israelite family to go out and I want them to get a one-year-old male lamb. And I want them to bring it into the home from the 10th day of the month. And I want them to keep it until the 14th day of the month. That's a week. It's a work week. I want them to keep it in their home for a week. Now, Moses is writing all this down on his iPad, and he's like, okay, so I got to go. We got to get a one-year-old male lamb and bring it into the house for a week. Wow. Wife's not going to be happy. I need to go buy PetSmart. I'm going to get a collar and uh, got to get a food bowl. 
might get a sweater vest, you know, just a little, you know, come on, it'll be cool. Kids will love it. And so he's like, I got it. God says, okay. And I want him to keep it there for, and listen, it can't be just some cheap land. Don't go down to big lots. I'm talking, you know, I want you to go to the nice. I want you to get a nice one-year-old male lamb without spot or blemish. I want you to keep it there for a week. And just like you guys, they're not that much different. Just like any family, the kids are going to fall in love with it. They're going to name it. It's a male lamb, you know, so they're going to name it Fred. And they're going to argue, you know, who gets to sleep with it and play with it and all this kind of stuff. Well, they keep it for a week. And God says, at the end of the week, I want all the family. This is a great kid story, by the way. At the end of the week, all the families are to take their lambs and bring it into the kitchen and have all the family gather around. And also bring a knife and a bucket. And then he says, I want you to kill Fred. And don't just kill him. I want you to slit his throat. And I, you need to catch the blood because we're going to use it. In fact, I want you to pour it into a bucket. Because I want you to take the blood and I want you to spread it throughout the entire house. Over all the doorposts, the windows, over, the, uh, sh over your gates coming into your property. And then I want you to skin Fred because we're going to eat Fred. And of course, now put this into our context. Moses paused and says, listen, I, I'm not sure this is a good idea. I want my kids to like you. And God's like, no, 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 this is going to be great. You know what? In fact, we're going to do this every single year. It's going to become a memorial between me and my people. And Moses is like, this is like the worst idea ever. In fact, God, if you're going to do this, just let's do it behind closed doors so the kids don't have to see it. God says, no, 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 I want them to see the whole thing. I want you to take their pet that you're going to bring home, and I'm going to have you. And listen, they have to eat it, because if you don't eat it, you have no part of me. I look at that story, and of course, we look back at it from here. Who was the lamb to signify? Jesus. If you take Jesus out of that story... He's a mean, cruel God that's just doing things unnecessarily. But every, they realized, and you should realize, that every part of that story, you're like, that's cruel. Yeah, you, you should read what they did to Jesus. Jesus was one of them. He lived with them. He healed their kids. He ate in their homes. He protected them. He was one of them. He wasn't like this Superman figure that flew in. He was one of us. And we, we handed him over. And it was God using this story to tell about the tragedy of Jesus. It wasn't just random. And one of the journeys that you should go on, you should read your Bibles. You should go back into the Old Testament and you should read all these stories. I'll give you one more. Um, there's this story in Numbers. You guys remember in the New Testament where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus? And he's explaining to Nicodemus about the gospel. And he brings up in chapter 3, verse 15. He says, just as Moses, in the book of Numbers, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so I must be lifted up. And he's equating those two stories. He's like, He's like, yeah, Moses lifting up the snake. He was talk God was talking about me. And I scratched my head. I was like, because I didn't hear that story when I was a young Christian. I was like, how is that talking about Jesus? Well, if you go back into the Old Testament, basically, really quickly, the people of Israel were turning away from God in their hearts. It allowed the enemy to come in. And he was sending all these snakes, and they were biting the people, and they were dying. 
So Joshua comes running into the tent of meeting. He's like, dude, we got a snake problem. And Moses says, relax, I'll go talk to God. So he goes into God and says, listen, we got a little bit of a snake issue. We need you to come in, take care of the problem. And God goes, I got this great idea. And by this time, these kinds of long, drug out, weird things that God does, it makes Moses nervous. So God's like, I know, here's what I want to do. And Moses is like, dude, listen, just get rid of the snakes. And God's like, no, 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 this is going to be great. Because guess what God is going to do? He's going to use this snake problem to teach them about Jesus. That is terrible. So he's going to about Jesus. I couldn't get it. It's like my arm wouldn't work. It was like really weird. So he's going to use this snake problem to tell them about Jesus. That's terrible. <laughs> I left out an S and added a U and a number, I think. It was weird. So... So here's what, here, check this out. So here's what, here's what God does. God says, I want you guys to make this, this snake, artificial snake, wooden snake, make it exactly like the snakes that are biting you. I want you to raise it up, attach it to this pole, and I want you to stick it before the tent of meeting. Then, he says, when anyone gets bitten, which tells you what about the snakes? Are you awake? He's not going to take them away. Anytime you get bitten, you can come and look at the snake on the pole and you won't die. And Jesus says, God was talking about me. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm lost. How is that about you? So after some prayer and study and what the Lord revealed to me was the snake was the product of their sin. They sinned against God, turned away from him in their hearts and allowed the enemy come in and was producing death. So God took the object of their sin, and he put it up in front of all of them. And he said, whenever you get bitten, you can come and look at what's causing your death, and I won't let that produce death in your life. Well, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so I will be lifted up. Well, what was that story teaching us? Jesus dying on the cross, he's taking everything about us, all of our past, all of our failures, all of our bodily drives, anything that is going to produce death in our life, and he's nailing it to the cross. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let this produce death in your life anymore. I'm going to forgive you from it. So it was a story about Jesus. So here's the, here, here, let me recap real quick because we're almost done. You have this God, Yahweh, Old Testament term, God, he's El Shaddai, you know, all these Jehovah Rapha, all these terms. And he's talking about this God that's communicating in the Old Testament. And he's communicating through his word and he's telling them to write it down. Okay? So the, all these Old Testament stories teach us about Jesus. Well, when you come into the New Testament, dude, something happens brand new. Jesus comes and begins to teach. And this is what he says. Give us our first uh, passage, if you would. It's John chapter 1, verse 1. And this is how Jesus is introduced. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Listen to this right here. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And it's telling us that the Word is actually a person. And what person of the Godhead is the Word? Anybody want to take a guess? Jesus. Now put this together. So Jesus, 
his real sin. And this is really interesting because of the Godhead, you guys, we only know the name of the Son who's called the Word. His function is the Word. We know his name is Jesus. We don't know the name of these two. We don't know the name of the Father or the Holy Spirit. I personally believe it's Frank and Charles, but I can't prove that. So we don't know the name, but we know the name of this one. Because verse 14, next slide, says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so right here in the Old Testament, after 4,000 years, this Godhead had been revealing to them about a Savior that's going to come. And at the right point in time, this member of that Godhead looked to the other two and said, I'm going in. And this Godhead, who's the word, get this, in the Old Testament, now you're going to have to think through this. In the Old Testament, this God communicated through his word. But we realize in the New Testament that that word, look at me please, that word is a person. So literally what the Bible teaches is that the, the, this God communicated through this person who's called the Word. And at a point in time, that person, the Word, came down and went into the womb of a woman named Mary. The Word became flesh. And nine months later, Jesus came out. And Jesus said, I've been the one speaking to you for 4,000 years. God, through me, has been speaking, and they wrote it down. And Jesus says, I've now come, and I want to show you what it looks like. For 4,000 years, I've been telling you who he is and what I want from you. Now I've come to show you what that looks like. So Jesus, in the Old Testament, was the word of God that was speaking to us. And in this time, he came down, entered into the womb of a woman named Mary, was born, and lived it before us. And revealed to us what this looks like. So in essence, when you get into the word, you're getting into Jesus. It's why, in fact, you know what? If you ever go to college, and you study in pastoral ministry, and you study theology you'll learn that they call, the, they call Jesus the living word and they call the Bible the written word. Why? Because it came from him. Now you're going to have to think through some of that. And I always get nervous as I'll be teaching. I'll look around and teens will be doing this. Or the, and I'm like, hey! And they're like, I'm listening. I'm like, no, you're not. So you have to process this. But the big deal is if you want to get to know Jesus, you've got to get in his word. And the reason we call the Bible the Word of God, it's because it came from Jesus. And we've got, I've got all kinds of illustrations in the New Testament. It just passages. One of my favorites is Jesus is talking to the leaders of Israel. This is hysterical. It's in, in John chapter 8. And, and uh, the leaders of Israel make this claim. And they say, our father is Abraham to give legitimacy to who they are. They say, our father is Abraham. And Jesus goes, oh yeah, Abraham, great guy, loves to fish. Because he talks like he knows him. And they're like, how do you know Abraham? And he says, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, Jesus is saying, dude, I talked to Abraham. 
I communicated to Moses. Because through an entire Old Testament time period, God, through his word, which is actually Jesus before he became a human being, spoke to this group of people. And after 4,000 years, that word came and entered into the womb of a woman named Mary and was born and took on flesh. So the God that was speaking came and lived among us. And Jesus looks back at the scriptures and says, I wrote that. I spoke that and they wrote it down. So when you get into the written word, you're learning about the living word. That may be gibberish now, but I'm telling you, especially as you dig in, as you grow, that's going to save your life. Because that book is, it's not debatable. It is the final authority. And if anyone ever tells you anything about Christianity, anything about Jesus that's not in that book, it's just not true. It's simply not true. And I worry about your generation because you're going to face things that my generation, and this is the truth, you're facing things that my generation never had to face. All this transgender stuff. And there's many issues we could talk about. But all this, you know, all the homosexuality stuff. You meet people say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Dude, read the Bible. God created a man and a woman. Are you, God created a man and a woman to be married. That's God's ordained. That's God's dream for mankind. That's what he's called us. And it's not this like you have to do this. When he moves in and transforms you, he frees you from all of those kinds of things that would detract from that. It's a truth. God has a standard. And we see all these churches across the country popping up and saying, oh, you can do this and you, but it's not from the scriptures. It's not from the Bible. And what's really going to happen, last thing, what's really going to happen in your day and age, and you can come, Gary, but what's going to happen as you guys get older, I'm going to tell you before it happens, the assault is not going to come against you. The assault is going to come against the scriptures. They're going to try to undermine them. They're going to say it's old. No, it was wrong. It was written wrong. In fact, about 10 years ago, it lost traction because it wasn't time yet. Our culture wasn't ready for it. But they came out with an alternate transla uh, translation of the Bible. And it was called the Queen James Version. And you can find it. You can find it if you Google it. And what they do, and it says right on the back of the cover, they took every reference to the transgender and homosexual, every, every reference that condemned that in scriptures, they took it out and said, we're just not going to have that. We're going to have a Bible without those things. Which should tell you there's a, I think they should do that with murder. You know, just, I'm really into murder. No, seriously, just take out all the passages that say you can't murder because that'd be so much easier. Seriously, you see that little old lady driving in the fast lane? You could just kill her. You could just run her off the road, you know, and just kill her. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Maybe not. But my point is, that's the authority, dude. So you gotta be in the Word. I am 100% available today. And I allow for pushback. I, I told, you can totally come to me and talk to me about anything. But I want to just tell you up front, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you that book. So this is not just going to be, well, I believe this. Well, I don't care what you believe. And you don't care what I believe. I care what that thing says. So this isn't a matter of opinion. So if you come to me, I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm going to give you what that book says. 
Where was the small group that met over here yesterday? Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Raise your hand. She was right, mom. It's not Jew nor Gentile. It's Jew nor Greek. It's just an inside thing over there. They were like just, you know, wrestling on the ground, and it was terrible. I had to intervene. So, all right, Gary. 